today on Growth Mindset University. Pakistan and Iran are one of the biggest misunderstood countries I've seen. When I visited Pakistan, I was still a little bit worried when I got there to Karachi. It's one of the biggest cities. You're listening to Growth Mindset University, educating tomorrow's leaders with lessons from today's entrepreneurial elite. It's a progressive new age of business we find ourselves in, and we'll help you find the success you seek by listening to today's industry professionals and thought leaders teach us the lessons we should have learned in school but didn't. Now, please welcome your host, Jordan Paris. Welcome and thank you for tuning in. My guest today is Alvaro Rojas. Alvaro is quite the traveler. He's been to, in fact, every country in the world. And he's a relatively young guy too. And for me, as someone who has aspired to become a world traveler himself, this episode was really fantastic and interesting for me, as all of them are. But Man, this one I was just so intensely curious about, and I asked him about all the places that I am most curious about. And Alvaro took me on a journey. I, I felt like I was in these places that he was describing. He's a really good storyteller. In fact, he's coming out with a new book. It's actually out right now. It's called Stories from My Travels to Every Country in the World. And the previews that he's put out of the book on Instagram are really compelling. He's been putting out some really compelling cliffhangers on Instagram, which, by the way, you can find Alvaro on Instagram. He's got over 160,000 followers. You look up Alvaro Rojas and you'll find him. His username is Wander Reds. His book, Stories, is not on Amazon, but you can get it at jordanparis.com slash alvaro book, A-L-V-A-R-O, and then the word book. jordanparis.com slash alvaro book. It's just a redirect. goes right to uh, his website. It is not an affiliate link either. Just wanted to make it super, super simple for you guys to go check out that book. So yeah, really a fascinating, stimulating conversation with Alvaro. Got me really excited again about traveling once the coronavirus is cleared up a little bit more. I've started looking at more Airbnbs in Rome and really all throughout Italy, but I I can't even be, even begin to tell you. I found this the most beautiful cottage in Rome. One bedroom, you get the whole cottage, the, the yard is beautiful and there's this beautiful pool and it's only $2,000 per month because, you know, when you stay monthly on Airbnb, you get a monthly rate. And this episode really sparked the excitement again in traveling for me. And I hope that it sparks something in you too. The link to share this episode will be at jordanparis.com slash EP195. And the link to the book will be there as well. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Alvaro Rojas. My guest today is Alvaro Rojas. I got the little, uh, I, I, I say it look pretty fancy. I got the little accent on there. I don't know. It's just kind of natural. Perfect pronunciation. Perfect. I, thank you. I was, uh, I, I was getting straight 95s in, uh, in honors Spanish throughout high school back in the day. Uh, I was, it was always my favorite class. So, uh, I can tell. But, I can tell. <laughs> but uh, Alvaro is from Spain, actually. And uh, I believe that's where he is right now. That's where I shipped a, a microphone too for him at the at least and uh this guy has visited every country in the world he's 31 years old he's got a child on the way in uh in a couple of days really yeah most likely and uh so i'm i you know just with having visited every country in the world and you know having a keen interest in travel myself i have so many questions today that you know i don't know i don't even know if we're gonna have time to like get to them all i, I hope we can but my curiosity so. has just peaked so welcome to the show thank you so much jordan it's a pleasure to be here and yeah let's try to get to everything I, i'm a travel obviously really passionate for travel and always discussing travel is, is one of my favorite things so yeah man always happy to do it so i want to make sure that uh, people can find you you have this amazing instagram like 
I was just, I mean, I was looking through it more in depth, uh, even last night, just the, cause I, I what are you like a photographer at heart? Yeah. Yeah. You could say, yeah, yeah. I'm more, more of a yeah. photographer than a filmmaker. And yeah, so I travel to every country. I've taken pictures from every, every place I've been to and I share them, my stories and then obviously the photos on, on Instagram. And, and the photos are, are just like unmatched like they, they are spectacular uh, a, a true pleasure to look at so at wander reds on instagram exactly w-a-n-d-e-r and then reds like the color red uh, I, I actually have a question about that why wander reds so i wanted to have something related to travel and that that's why wander i like the wandering that has to do a lot with the style of traveling i have aimlessly walking and and not having a like a defined purpose of where i'm going just discovering uh the path as i go and then reds is just my last name in english so i wanted to have a more global approach uh i want to have like a more way to have it like a personal brand to yeah to that travel and when uh so you're you're born in spain i i'm born in spain born and bred in spain i i went to a british school and then I flipped my accent because I studied in the U.S. for a year. That's and, what I was. Yeah. That's why I was asking that. Thank yeah. You. And the University of Wisconsin. It was actually my last year of college, and it was really? an amazing experience. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I, I like. Everyone says I'm half American at heart. Nothing to do with America. I'm not American anyway. My parents are both Spanish. But I love the culture. I love the values, and I have so many friends from from the U.S. Uh huh. I was gonna. I, I after you know we talk about all the other countries today. We're gonna talk about all like two hundred. I'm kidding. I'm not gonna do that. But we're gonna talk about some of them, and uh, that I'm curious about. Uh, and I did want to actually like circle back to you know what you think about American culture. But you know you're already telling. I, I was thinking like. I was thinking you're going to have like a more negative view no, on, no. on American culture well, because of it. I guess <laughs> because of your experiences elsewhere. No, because, like this is something I always say. Like I think some of the smartest and brightest minds in the world are, are probably Americans, but also some of the like probably most ignorant minds in the world are also American. I think it's a country of, of like quite bipolar in that sense. Mm-hmm. And and some of the like the biggest world travelers in the world are American. But also there's a stat that only 15% of Americans have a passport. So I think that clearly defines a little bit of, of what you can encounter. But in any case, I've been everywhere in the U.S. and I've always been met. You tell, you've been not you've been to every state too. Not every okay, everywhere, but oh. not every state. But I've been in the south. I've been in the in the, in the east. Uh, I've been the southeast. Like everywhere, and everywhere I've been met with like really heartwarming. Uh, hospitality and really people are really really friendly so yeah i can i cannot say anything bad about americans yeah the other thing that i got to get to before we really get into this today is that you have a new book coming that i want people to know about it's called stories from my travels to every country in the world and you know you were just paging through it for me because it's not out yet i don't have it uh, you're just, uh, you know, paging through like uh, a lot of pictures and, you know, stories from every single country. Uh, and that book is going to be available on Amazon, most most likely uh, on Amazon in the U.S. Yeah, he, I think he's, the- he's figuring it out right now. I'll, I'll make sure I help him to <laughs> make that make that happen. Um, so, so it'll be like if you if you go in the. Uh, in the show notes. So you go to jordanparis.com, hit the search icon, look up Alvaro Rojas and uh, click that page. Uh, the link to the book will be right there in the show notes. Um, and we'll, we'll circle back to that book at the end, Alvaro. But Perfect. Thank you. My, my, first, my first real question uh, today is I saw this picture with these pyramids in Sudan, I believe. Yeah. And you tell me you slept in a pyramid. What was that like? So that was one of my f- most, like favorite adventures uh, of traveling yeah. every, every country. Uh, obviously, Sudan is famous for being conflict, uh, the separation of South Sudan from Sudan. Um, 
always ethnic clashing and, and all these negative things. And, and one of the things I'm traveling to every country is to try to break those stereotypes of, of, of that we normally get through the media. Sudan is a great example of that. Uh, people in Sudan are incredibly hospitable. And I actually landed there uh, through a quite complicated visa process, like a lot of hassle at the airport, usual, the usual stuff whenever you're, you're visiting off the beaten path countries. Uh, but I actually, my goal in Sudan was to go to the Meroe pyramids, like, like you said. It's a gorgeous place, really underrated, uh, the middle of nowhere, and there's this little road that passes just right by, and, and locals actually commute and go to other villages, so they don't even pay attention to what's lying there. You know, it's like, like for people to understand, it's like like a smaller version of the uh, pyramids in Giza in Egypt. So. Uh, the pyramids in Egypt obviously are massive and, and everyone knows them well, but they're also really pretty, uh, pretty like they're a tourist trap in, in a way. Like they're, they're, they are very, very touristy. Wow. So uh, I wanted to get to this place in the middle of the desert between the dunes, almost like covered in dunes. And I wanted to spend a night there because it was completely, it's completely uh, unexplored. Uh, we could say uh, there's a little ticket office, a little lady charges you a small fee and it can depend on how friendly you are when you say hello, hello to her. So it's not, it's nothing really fixed. It's like a proper sense of adventure still today in this 20, 2020. Um, so that was what I wanted uh, to get there. So and I tried just like navigating through the city of Khartoum, which is one of the wildest and most chaotic cities in Africa, trying to find a driver that would take me. And that would that had a tent, trying to put all those things together, trying to get the provisions needed for for spending the night out there, because it gets pretty cold in the desert, as you can imagine. Yeah, yeah, I slept in the desert before. Yeah, I'll tell you about that in a sec. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's pretty rough. You already know. Um, and yeah, and we made it. Uh, just got a few people together, uh, bargained some decent price, obviously for them, for me. And, and, we, and we got there and we just set up the tent and we saw sunset and sunrise, which is... Oh, that's awesome. Like you said before, I'm a photographer. It's the, one of my favorite things and getting those both those things was, was a really good experience. What's What the heck is like on the inside of a pyramid? Yeah, well, like, as you know, they're actually... Most of them are tombs, so... There's, there's oh. it's not like what it's not like what people would imagine it's not like a little palace with a lot of rooms it's pretty much an empty space with a sarcophagus and mm. these ones in Meroe were actually pretty empty there's a lot of scavengers they're already raided them from throughout the year so there's not much left other than the exterior part of the pyramids which is still beautiful obviously but uh yeah there's no treasures to be found we're all too late for that yeah so uh, you'll appreciate this, and maybe you—I mean, maybe you did the same exact thing. But I slept in the Bedouin tents in Israel, in the yeah. middle of the desert, outside of what's what? Where geographically was it, man? I don't even—I don't even. It was—it was probably an hour away from Beersheba, if you've ever—if you've ever passed through there, but. Um, yeah, it was it was spectacular, and you know, got to see the the sunset, and then hiked up to. You've, I'm sure you've been to Masada. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I haven't been, but I, I know. It. Oh wow, no, it's it's like uh, that that uh, those those ancient ruins, um, you know, up atop like a, almost like a, a, a mountain, you know, and then like you, it, it's above the it's, and then you're looking down. The Dead Sea is right there, yeah. And then Jordan's, you know, for the other distance. side, yeah. So like we we hiked up there, saw the uh, the sunrise, but at night, you know, in the being in the desert and looking at all the stars with you know without any light pollution from like neighboring cities or yeah no civilization uh, nothing it was uh it was something that a memory that i'll cherish for our lifetime and the local, i'm sure you've like, had many such experiences home cooked home cooked meals some nice yeah. tea oh. that hospitality oh, tea, man yeah it's amazing yeah so man, how old were you when you started this traveling journey i mean obviously when you're you know when you're when you're younger i mean you you know uh you you probably hit a bunch of places just traveling normally but normally but when did i guess there's a whole another question in this is did you set out to visit every country 
Yeah, so I'm 31. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm oh, saying no, 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 no. I'm 31. I'm from a uh. generation that, like, visiting every country, for, for the record, so people know, only 200 people have done it in history. So oh, wow. it's not something that common. There's more people that have visited space than actually been to every country. So that's just to put things into perspective. So it's not something that, cool. like, like maybe 20 years ago when I was uh, younger, I was a teenager or whatever, uh, growing up, it wasn't something uh, I could I, I idolize or say, hey, this is going to be, I'm going to set out to do this. Uh, right now, obviously, with social media, it's much easier to inspire people to achieve goals like these, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, like you're saying, this is how it happened. I just started traveling uh by, by chance with my family and holidays and started doing some exchange uh, uh, trips uh, for also for languages. I speak French, a little bit of German, Portuguese, uh, around Europe, basically. Uh, it was closer and, and that's what, what I uh, started doing. And But it all started, the spark to it, to it all was uh, my trip to, it's a Eurail trip. You know these uh, interrail passes, it's like a railway pass where you just buy this ticket and you can take unlimited trains around Europe. Oh, no, I didn't know. Well, it's a, it's a great way to travel in Europe and I really recommend for any Americans out there, they want to uh, get to know the, the continent better. This is a great way to do it. Yeah, I was going to ask like, what the mode of transportation was. I'm like, is this guy taking flights everywhere? Is this guy, you know, taking car, you know, a car everywhere? Like, I, I was just. I think I think railway was railway was rail. amazing. Amazing. And what was it called again? So U Rail Pass is, is the one that Americans buy. Uh-huh. U Rail Pass, and it, I don't know right now, but it, was, it used to be like three hundred bucks, and then it's like an unlimited train throughout Europe, like thirty countries, uh, for for a whole month, and you literally can sleep in the train. There's sleeper trains. There's everything really good. That's great. Yeah, so it's it's a great deal, and it was a great way to like. Bar, like on a budget, on a shoestring, try to travel through Europe when you're 18. And we had this trip planned with my friends after graduation, high school, and they were not a good students. At least they they weren't as good as I. So in the end, they ended up failing a few uh, courses. They had to retake the exams in September. So I had I had basically my my whole trip fell apart. And I had I was in this crossroads where I had to decide, hey. Should I just go by myself or not go at all? And I just refused to like set on settle on the idea of like renouncing to that to that trip. And that's that really marked the how I I've, I've understood travels from then onwards. Is in the end, if you want to do something, don't look for excuses. Just go there. And solo trips is something I really recommend. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I you ever feel lonely? This is the like the obvious question. Always, I always get this question, and I understand it. I understand where it's coming from, and but I don't. I actually think you're not. You're the when you're traveling solo, you get a chance to really engage with people around you. If you're traveling with a friend or with a couple friends, forget about talking to locals. Other than ordering your coffee right. or your meals, that's it. You're within yeah. your group. You're within your comfort zone. Yeah, you're you're putting that's the comfort. That's the thing because like it's so you know once you have that friend group, I mean it's just a very comfortable thing, and you you really don't have to take the leap to like talk to other people because you got people to talk to. Like you know, I've I yeah, it's I've I've seen that so many times. You know, like, like the, the the trip that I took to Israel was like one of those birthright trips and uh like you know so it was like you know 50 40 50 kids my age and there was a group of 13 that all knew each other from childhood and it was so like it was like high school again it was like so so clicky and and they like everyone everyone like was like we we didn't people didn't like them because they like they would not talk to other people they didn't have to they're doing their thing, their own vibe. It's it's completely understandable. Like human beings, human beings are social beings. We all know this. The thing is, when you're by yourself, you need to be social with other people, strangers you don't know. Yeah. And this is just another world of opportunities. There's a new. The window is much more colorful, 
And I'm not saying, like, listen, I love traveling with friends and relatives, and it's a great way to share beautiful places and significant places and memories with, with your loved ones. But I think I would 100% recommend everyone to at least travel once by themselves. And if it's early on, like if you're in your 20s, early 20s, go by yourself. You'll, you'll understand much better about yourself, your own personality, the things you like. Because Jordan, it's every, everything you do, every, every day is like a milliard of decisions. Like where should I eat? Where should I go? Where should I sleep? Uh, what, what, I do, what do I do, do next? Who do I engage with? Uh, and whatever you do is completely fine because in the end, traveling is really subjective. But having that process where you're the one deciding everything really helps you understand yourself much better and your personality and confidence and self-esteem. And we could go on. That's that's the way I'm going to do it, too. And actually, even right now, Alvaro, I mean, we could have very well been doing this interview uh, in person, you know, because I was like, you know, I start. It was it was my plan for like years, like May 2020. I was gonna take off for uh, for maybe Italy, maybe like I was. It was gonna be like, and I was actually gonna be. I was gonna start in like Spain and just uh -huh. kind of like move around and see, you know, where I, you know, where I settle, you know, for a few months, where I want to settle for a few months. Uh, yeah, but obviously with what's going on right now, I mean, I think it's uh, yeah, not gonna, change not everyone's gonna plans. Nobody had <laughs> yeah had, had planned for this, but I, I guess your plan just is just put on hold. You'll be exactly. Able to I'm so. excited to get to it. It's gonna happen in in late 2020, early 2021. I'm sure. But man, how many random question? How, how many countries are there? Uh, so, oh, that's the five that I saw. I love this question because there's a great uh, debate around it, and there's no oh, clear wow. answer. There's no definite answer. So, the way I can break it down for everybody to understand is in the UN, there are 193 members. That is the like bare minimum every ex expert traveler can agree on 193. That is the like the, the base. But then there are two non member observers in the UN which are Palestine and the Holy See, the Vatican. So a lot of people, since they are still part of the UN in a different condition, consider them countries. So that would be 195. And then there are two other countries which have significant uh, international recognition, which are Taiwan and Kosovo. With, uh, for, for example, I think Kosovo has 98 countries in the international community recognizing them as a country. Uh, so a lot of people, and de facto, everyone is trading with Taiwan. It's just they're just being vetoed by China. So it's it's a complex geopolitical uh, plot going on behind the scenes. But the truth is, they have sovereignty and they have international recognition. So a lot of travelers like myself consider them to be countries. So that's why yeah. the count goes up to 197. Isn't Taiwan like? on mainland china is it i don't so know so taiwan is is an island off the coast oh, of mainland china island. okay what essentially happened like in, in a brief description uh, when the cultural revolution the communist revolution started in china in the in 49 all the government the democratic government fled to taiwan and they they just settled there as as, as the new country uh, they were they were china in the un until the 70s when Obviously, the, the weight and the significance of the communist China was too big or too important to just neglect. And they had to do the switch. And the recognition they got uh, started for China instead of Taiwan. I love how you know the history. Yeah. Of... Well, I'm a, big, I'm a big history buff. And that's yeah. another, another, another reason why I started traveling to every country. Uh -huh. You know, out of these 193, 197 countries, what were... Alvaro, some of your favorites, and I'm sure this is this is just one of those cliche questions that you get all the time. But you still you still asked asked it the wrong the right way. A lot of people say, "What's your favorite country?" You can't you can't just pick one. Man. Like, <laughs> it's like picking between your parents or your kids. It's impossible. It's literally impossible. Uh, but if we're talking a few countries, there's there's definitely a lot of countries that, that surprise me. And But I like to speak about regions. I prefer to talk about favorite regions. Uh, for me, the ones that really leave left a mark and really impress me are East Africa, uh, South Africa, 
even East Asia with uh, Japan, Korea, very different, obviously, but like it's just. What yeah. about North Korea, man? North Korea is, I mean, not, I'm not going to say beautiful, but really interesting. Dude, is that a scary place? Uh, no, I'm more, more, I, I don't think scary would be the, the, the word. It was more like weary, I guess. So you, have you, have you seen the Truman show? No. No, you're too young. You need to watch a movie. So you need, you guys need to watch the Truman show and it's exactly like that. So basically everything, the feeling you get as a tourist is one, for starters, a lot of people think it's really hard to get into North Korea. It is not, it is not. Unless you're an American. Americans cannot Ooh. visit. Uh, what about yes. getting out of North Korea? I think that would be the main concern. <laughs> getting out is fine as if you behave yourself. Oh, jeez. If, if, if I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> if you abide by all the rules, then you're good. You're on the clear, bro. Uh, but yeah, you basically visit with a tour, like an agency from the government. And you're led by guides, which are not actually tourist guides. But... Uh, more like uh, official statesmen or like, you know, uh, intelligence officials more more than anything. They know what the propaganda says. They know it by heart. They repeat it backwards and front. Like they know everything. So and they are entitled to give answers. You can ask questions. And, and it's really interesting, especially for Westerners when, when we visit, because they have this kind of juxtaposition between the two big global superpowers in the world. And one is obviously the US and the other is North Korea, <laughs> according to them. So to, <laughs> according to, to them, <laughs> if you listen, if you listen to the messages, it's essentially like a battle of the two Titans, like battling mm. it out, like, like, That's like funny. Yeah. Like Muhammad Ali and, and Foreman, right? Like, like it's like equal match and like everyone in the world is just like like spectators looking at this, these two giants fighting each other. And everyone in the bus when they're telling you these stories is just cracking up. It's impossible not to laugh. Right. They always take you through the same streets, which are the best streets, best kept, uh, clean, uh, the newest streets with the best uh, buildings, obviously. Uh, but if you look into the little nooks and crannies of each like perpendicular streets on the ones you're you're traveling in you see all these different neighborhoods with no lights and less people and, and it's actually a little bit weird it doesn't feel like a city at all because like any normal city would have rush hours right like normally at 9 a.m or 8 a.m everyone would go to work and maybe go back home at 6 p.m whatever right there's this this little uh, internal schedule where people are out in the street or indoors working well for us, our, our experience from as a tourist was we were just driving through the streets and there was like a lot of people commuting at any hour, any given hour in the day, people commuting in the streets, getting out of the businesses with a suitcase. So it's a little bit like rehearsed. And it, and it looked a little bit wow. like, yeah, a little bit like a theatric sometimes. Rehearsed, man. And, and I had this like this amazing uh, anecdote. Uh, we had this guide in the library and she spoke great English and she was an amazing guide. Show us around all the National Library. Great building, really like big communist type style uh, buildings. One of these fast uh, ceilings, uh, great decor decorations, everything. And then that same girl at a different on a different day was in a completely different side of town and walking as as like a, i don't know lady that walks the street if you will in, in in your script right and so we recognized her and we actually said hey miss lady whatever and she, and she actually looked down like oh i think they recognize me so a few wow. a few a few uh stories like those that may make you think that hey maybe maybe this is all a little bit rehearsed yeah, it's it's so bad that they got to like script it out. Yeah. And North Korea after especially after that, I mean even before that, just strikes me as, you know, or the leaders at least strike me as incredibly insecure because 100%. generally under the emphatic trait, which in this case is brav showing this extreme bravado and toughness, uh is under the emphatic trait is generally the opposite, which uh, you know, in this case would be uh extreme insecurity uh which is i think very evident here i i you I'll see remember it everywhere that. you see it everywhere you go you go to a restaurant they just like stuff your face with food you have chicken beef uh fish it's everything oh eggs 
whatever you want, just to give you the impression that they have this lavish yeah. uh, food culture. There's, 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 there's no starvation in the country. Their food is everywhere. It's really easy to get. And it's not the case. A lot of people are starving. I'm shocked, man. And But you can literally, you cannot finish the food. And, and this is something I hate. I always try to finish everything on my plate. But they keep, keep shoving every plate after plate in every meal. It's just incredible. It's another it's like somebody. It's like someone on Instagram trying to show how great their li- life is, 100%. even though they're depressed. Yes. That's what it is. It's a huge insecurity complex. And <laughs> And it's every, there's cases like th- like these, which are I could go on for hours, man. Like, An entire country, though, with that complex. That's trippy. So what about uh, my favorite place in the world, Israel? So uh, What was your experience there? I think, like, ha- hiking, for me, Jerusalem was yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really, really special. And I, was there for, I was there for New Year's Eve. It yeah, was wow. really spectacular. Wow. So I, I'm not a very religious person myself, but it's really hard not to like get in touch with your spirituality in a, in a place like Jerusalem. And, and, and what I always say is I just love the way the, the three main religions in the world uh, blend in together. Obviously with conflicts in the past, but right now quite peacefully. And people worship like in one... Like if you, if you make a radius of like one kilometer, one mile, you have basically the most uh, holiest church in the, in the, in the, in humanity, in Christendom, that you have the, the, the Western wall for, for Jewish people. And you have uh, top, uh, the rock of the dome for, for Muslim people. And, and it's just so, so amazing to have it all gathered in the little area. It's not that big. You've been there. Old city is not that big. And it's full of uh, temples and shrines and like biblical places and like Old Testament places. And it's all history too. So very, very impressive. So this, this one's probably what I'm most curious about this region, at least. So the Middle East, specifically Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, what what do you think about those countries? What was your experience there? What what are what do I mean? Because most of you know, I mean, I have you know, there's people throughout the world that listen to this podcast, but you know, mostly American. What what are what are we getting wrong about those countries, if anything? The initial like, if I had to just pinpoint one thing, is that they're not safe. I think this is a big, I, I certainly view it that way, yeah. This is a big misunderstanding. And I, I talk about it in the book. Uh, examples like Pakistan and Iran are one of the biggest uh, misunderstood countries I've seen. Um, when I visited Pakistan, it was my 113, 14th, can't remember right now. Uh, and I, I was still a little bit worried when I got there to Karachi. It's one of the biggest cities in the in the world, actually. Uh, and I, I'd be worried, especially yeah. with Karachi, because like I, I remember I, I, when I was in like seventh, eighth grade, I'd, I played this Modern Warfare Two yeah. Call of Duty, and and one of the maps was called Karachi, and we and we just <laughs> we just straight up we were we were shooting MFers in the head all day over there. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. So everything you hear about this place is not good, and everyone's going in in, in like armored cars, and if if you're an expat there, you have like this huge security. The people live in fortresses. That that was what I heard prior to visiting. And when I actually visited and I met a few locals and Pakistanis are by far one of the most welcoming and, and hospitable people I've ever met. And it and it's an interesting fact, you go there and they don't allow you to pay anything. If you're with a Pakistani local, you will never pay for food. Now they will treat you everything as long as they're guiding you around the country. And and one of like one of the big big um, things that they all these countries have in common is they're so misunderstood and they receive so few tourists that whenever they see a foreigner, they actually make an extra effort to please you and to host you just because they know what the media is portraying from their country. Right. So they they do this like they go the extra mile to like you see this is actually nice and. I'm going to show you this. I'll take you here. And they all do it out of a sense of pride for their country. They're all very proud people. Huh? 
but at sometimes being proud of your country does, is not a bad thing. Like many many nationalities are proud of their country. But these guys will go like they will take you around their bazaars, which are the little old markets uh, around the downtown. They will show you the the guide you through museums, or they go take you to the best kebab place. Uh, Quick question it, about yeah. that: How do you get these people to? Guide you around. Like, if I, I just imagine showing up there. Nobody's going to know that I'm there. Nobody's going to care that I'm there. Like, how do I, how do I, you know, get people to care about me? Surprisingly, they will, brother. Uh, I look like you're seeing me right now. I look like a Middle Eastern if, if by, by, by our standards. So, Spanish people have a lot of uh, mixed blood. And uh, I look Middle Eastern with my beard. I'm dark skinned, all the skin. So, I can actually blend in there. That's what I assume. But in truth, they know they know you're a Westerner, and in your case, your blonde uh, your blonde hair will just give you away immediately, right. and, and you'll get hordes of people uh, surrounding you. Like, hey, brother, uh, should, should, should we go for for food? Can I take you here? Can I help you? Do they know English? Uh, it depends, but yeah, I mean, Pakistan. Some people will know English, yeah. So it depends on the country, uh, but obviously, the people that would approach you also want to learn English. So that's another reason why they, they come in contact with you because they know how English is important and, and they want to just practice. And they actually tell you, hey, I just want to practice my English. Can we walk somewhere? Oh, that's cool. So, I mean, it will be very easy to blend. A little uh, bit of vulnerability that way too. Can you 100%. imagine an American going up to going up to like a Middle Eastern and being like, hey, I just want to practice my <laughs> whatever. Urdu, yeah. Can you teach yeah. me? And, and ima- not going to happen. Exactly. And imagine, imagine like, I don't know. I love even Japan. if, I, even I if that language was like valuable to learn, like, yeah. you know, it's just not, I mean, English, I can understand it's spoken in a lot of places, but like, I don't think Americans would even have like the courage or but, like vulnerability to be able to do that. Sorry honestly, to cut you off. No, no, no. But honestly, like just following what you're saying, uh, imagine in New York, I love New York, but imagine a New Yorker stopping someone from Pakistan and saying, Hey brother, can I take you around? I'm going to show you this wiener place. It's amazing. Or show you this pizza place. That's never going to happen. We live, we live very selfish lives. We're really self-centered. The same in Spain, huh? I'm just talking about Western countries. And when you visit the Middle East, it's more about community. It's more about family. It's more about people hosting, welcoming, and, and you will see all these things. And Believe me, like there, I've never seen a more safer country than Iran, for example. Mm. Uh, you can sleep on a bench; nothing will happen. So we, you need to separate the government's decisions and political uh, yeah. actions, which is one thing, and we can, we can be against them. And we, I, for one, I'm completely against the Iranian government, but uh, the people are not to blame, and you cannot blame the people. And sometimes. Contributing with that tourism to little businesses and like little restaurants really helps a lot uh, to these families uh, keep moving forward. And also, it helps tending bridges between both both our cultures because definitely you one go, piece at a time, one person at a time. Exactly, like it. exactly, brother. You go back to the U.S., you tell your story. Uh, you go there, you tell your story, and everyone is just tending bridges much, much better. Yeah, I'd I'd love to experience that and connect with those people. Iraq and Afghanistan, check out too. Yeah, same same goes. So I mean, yeah, I mean Iraq right now it's a little bit. I mean, I I wouldn't say they're a hundred percent safe. Both those countries, I, I I would agree they're beautiful and they share those values of hospitality. But for example, Iraq obviously is in turmoil right now, especially after what happened with the Iranian general. Uh, and Afghanistan is always uh, it's 60, 65% of the country is controlled by the Taliban. So, I mean, right. we're, we're discussing uh, two destinations that could be amongst the six or seven more dangerous countries in well, the world. Well, what kind of experiences did you have there? So, I, I visited with uh, local fixers and always try to have like, uh, like a local try to guide me through, navigate through the whole uh, process because it is very difficult. There are a lot of checkpoints, for example, in northern Afghanistan, a lot of military checkpoints. There's still a lot of military presence. A lot of I saw a lot of uh, U.S. convoys, and there are always usually targets. Uh, and also, look, Westerners and tourists are, are targets too. Of kin- kidnapping. Uh, if you if you add the name if you add Yemen into the mix, then it's completely nuts. Yemen is by far the most dangerous country in the world. What? Yeah, I, sure. I wouldn't even have suspected that. No, no, 100%. you don't hear. I don't really hear about that. Yemen is wow. uh, Yemen is the great uh, unknown, and, and, and it, it is the most dangerous country. What were you there for? Like two minutes? 
Actually, that's how most travelers do it. They do Yemen. They just hop on the border and they go in like two hours. But I didn't want to do that just because, I don't know, like I, I like those experiences. I, I like a little bit of the thrill and I actually like to understand the culture and, and get to know the locals and the history. And Yemen is actually beautiful. If you look up uh, some pictures of my uh, Instagram, you'll see beautiful mud uh, skyscrapers in the middle of the desert, uh, oasis, which are un, 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 unheard of in any, any other place in the world. And um, yeah, so Yemen is really pretty spectacular, but it's just being war-torn, literally war-torn uh, by, by the conflict with uh, Saudi Arabia in the north and by Al-Qaeda covering most regions in the, in the center and south. So one of the problems I encountered was you, you literally cannot uh, engage with locals because you cannot trust anybody. They can, wow. actually, they can actually sell you out to Al-Qaeda. So maybe they're not bad people, but if, if they can sell you out for, for like 2,000 bucks to save their family, which are starving, because obviously the conflicts are too hard for on everybody on the country. It's unbelievable. And yeah, we had, we had to pass as um, Turkish. So my name was not Alvaro, it was Ali. I was Ali the Turkish. Wow. Safe to say that I, that's one of the places I won't be visiting. Brother, <laughs> I'll take you. That's good. I mean, oh when all of this is over, we'll go there right. and we'll do a podcast in Yemen. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I, go viral. I, it was. Uh, <laughs> it'd probably be like the first ever podcast ever, in Yemen. ever. Literally, <laughs> no ever. one's no one's recording ever. podcasts there, bro. No, it's the last thing people think about there. Exactly. That'd be cool. Yeah. So what about? Um, Cause I so I remember when I was on I was on top of Masada yeah. and looking down on the Dead Sea. And then when I was in the Dead Sea later that day, and I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing Jordan in the distance. Yes. My namesake. Uh, and I always, you know, I always, you know, with my name being Jordan, I remember being in grade school, like seeing, oh, oh, there's a country named Jordan. Like I always thought that it was really cool, and but never, never hear anything about it. Never, really, never seen it. I, I mean, I could easily look up pictures, but honestly, I never have. Like what? What's I, what's over those mountains that I was looking at in you know in Jordan? What's on the other side there? What what, what were your experiences? Well, Always been curious. I would actually say argue that is actually even better than the side you were on. Uh, wow, Jordan. I mean, you could you could be actually be much worse off if your name was Chad because Chad is not a nice country. But uh, <laughs> Jordan. It, I didn't know Chad was a country. Yeah, Chad in Central Africa. It's completely. Uh, it's a shithole, man. I, I don't like to put it that way, but it's a little bit of a chaos everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but Jordan, man, it's history. You know Petra, the world wonder? It's in Jordan, and it's it, it's where Indiana Jones was filmed. The oh, Raiders, wow. the Raiders of the Lost Lost Ark. I think it, it was it was in that in that in in Petra that was filmed. Uh, it's beautiful monuments. It's rock hewn church like tombs in these uh, cliffs. Beautiful, beautiful, vast uh, Asian civilization in the middle of the desert. And also one of the most beautiful deserts in the world, Wadi Rum. The Wadi Rum is so photogenic. There's so many movies that have been shot there. For example, The Martian. Uh, like almost, most of these space movies you, you see or you hear uh, based in Mars are all shot there. Mm. It's very photogenic. It's got dunes. It's got rock, rocky cliffs. Uh, a lot of different uh, colors. It is really, really beautiful. Nice, man. I'm just learning, learning so much. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, with with Jordan, that's 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 cool to hear. I even did. Um, I actually did one of the one of the good things I got out of school. Um, it was my last last semester. You know, besides this project, I really wasn't a fan of school. But uh, you know, I had to do this social entrepreneurship project, and and. Um, and it was like, okay, you know, I kind of like located this this person in Jordan. Her name is like Rana Dajani, and uh, she spearheads this um, man. What was it called? It was something love reading. Uh, it was something about loving reading, and that's the initiative because like such a small amount of Arabs. Um, read and and you know her her words not mine you know it leads to this like you know 
feeling of like helplessness and and lack of hope like you know compared to like israelites i mean they read like all, like 40 books a year or something crazy like that where where i think like the average person you know arab reads like and the numbers are all off they read like eight pages per year I, and I, I think i'm actually right with that one but um i did this project on on her and her initiative i actually reached out to her and on, on LinkedIn of all places. And after like two months, she answered me and she was like, Oh, I want to see your, your project. Email it to me. And so it was, it was cool. I connected with a, a Jordanian on the link. <laughs> I think Jordan is a great place to discover the Middle East, start discovering the Middle East. Uh, for anyone that's never been in the region and you were saying before you have interest in visiting the region, there's always like stepping stones, right? Like you never, you never dive in the deep end of the pool. I would, Definitely go first to Jordan before going yeah. to places like Iran or places like uh, uh, Pakistan. It will also be a huge culture shock for anyone. So you you need to measure those culture shocks because if you go to the like the biggest one, then the others won't surprise you as much uh, when you when you're traveling. So yeah, always, well, you always want to keep that little surprise uh, effect. Definitely. What about um. So I land, I, I never like got out, you know, the airport, but I landed in Austria, but, you know, just flying in, uh, you know, and looking at the landscape, it, it was a, it, it struck me as a very cool place. Um, I, very quaint. Would, would you say? Very, very quaint. Uh, you got the Alps there, a lot of uh, Tyrolese landscapes, which is uh, like more like uh, mountains in the background, green hills. Uh, this is beautiful homes like from 100, 200 years ago and great beer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is Central Europe. It's it's if you if you like uh, wieners and that German culture, it is a great place to visit because it's a small, really small uh, country and it's easy to navigate through it, get around. And, and there's this really small quintessential little towns uh, which are very photogenic, very beautiful. And, and yeah. It's a great treat for like a week holiday, for example. Nice. I have, I have like before I get to a couple logistical questions. Yeah, sure. I have, I have a few more like geographical questions out of cool. curiosity. Like, oh. have now this one. I'm sure. I'm sure this is a no. Um, you haven't been. Yeah, have you been to Antarctica? <laughs> no, so I, I haven't been yet. Just because my main focus was finishing every country. Sure. And Antarctica is not a country, but it is. It is like like a it's a place. continent, right? Yeah, exactly. And it is a place every, every traveler wants to get to. Yeah, at one point in their life. I wonder what the death rate is <laughs> like. Like to make that trip. <laughs> Seriously, uh, that that uh, death rate for your wallet definitely because it's very very expensive. Oh, so wow. Yeah. So sometimes you need to like balance everything out. And you were saying before logistics are have a lot to play in to getting to every country. And sometimes you need to decide like Antarctica is probably uh, 10k, and 10 10k can really get you along to a lot of places uh, if uh -huh. you're going to every country. I was I was honestly in my brain just now thinking more like 100k. So 10k is no, not bad. It's fine. It's not bad. <laughs> I mean, there there's pretty democratic trips now. Uh, there's big boats, uh, transatlantics. They're doing the, the the trip, and it also depends on how many days you're out there. There's few islands on the way. The Falklands, the South Georgia Islands. South Georgia Islands is actually when you see all this massive uh, penguin colony. There's like a million penguins in a beach, and that is like a brutal scene. Uh, I really recommend it. if anyone wants to visit Antarctica, they, they include South Georgia and the itinerary uh, because sometimes the itineraries for Antarctica is just stepping on Antarctica, seeing a few icebergs and just going back. And it's a little bit of shame spending so much money and heading all the way out there. Sometimes it's worth, hey, let's invest a little bit more money and more time and see like the actual beautiful things there are to see. On the yeah. Moon. Now, what is, I, I mean, just from my travel experiences alvaro like i you know i have like some really cool stories what and, and experiences what what would you say stands out as like the coolest experience that you've had in your mind it's really really hard to say uh i've i've, I've swum with uh humbuck whales in tonga and it was that was brutal like uh normally when you go whale watching you're just sitting in the boat and you see them just break and that's that's already like gorgeous 
But when they tell you, like a Tonga guy tells you, jump, 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 and you just dive in, like open sea, like no vest, nothing. You just swim <laughs> for your life. And, and, just, and you see this like white submarine because they have like white tummies and there's all like glittering in the waters. It's so beautiful, beautiful, beautiful scene. Uh, mother and a cough and they just pass you so, so uh, majestically. And that's one of the, I, for me, seeing wildlife, it's still one of the, like the best experiences I've ever done. Yeah. And it also comes to mind when I was uh, gorilla tracking in, in the forest, in the deep jungles of Uganda. It's called impen impenetrable forest because it's literally really, really hard to tra track through those mountains. And, and you go chopping with a machete. And after like maybe six or five, six hours, you find this uh, group of gorillas and the silverback and, and then the females and uh, the little the little kid, uh, well, little uh how do you how do you say gorillas puppies or kids or whatever children uh but you see these babies the baby gorillas and, and they're just so so beautiful yeah and they're in the natural habitat and and it just it, it it is amazing if you go on safaris if i walked with wild giraffes in, in niger in the west africa and this is something is not like when you go on a reserve and there's like guides that take you there or it's like fenced in any way. It's just like the middle of nowhere. You go with a car with a taxi driver rented in Niamey, the capital. And that not even locals knew about this place. And I told them, yeah, it's here. Let's go. Let's try, go try to find it. After an hour of like navigating little bushlands, we find this group of like giraffes in the middle of nowhere. We just walked with them for hours. And I mean, those... Those experiences are something that probably won't be there for much longer if, if we don't change our our behaviors. Yeah, I bet. Logistics now. Let's go. So, you know, obviously, like what, the past uh, couple of months you've been, uh, you know, you've been, you know, in Spain in, in one place. So I'm curious, like, come, you know, with your lifestyle of traveling from place to place to place compared to now sitting in one place are you saving a lot of money yeah 100 percent, of course uh, so but it does it, it's gonna cost a, a pretty penny to do what you did so if you're asking how much money does it cost to visit every country in the world what i normally say is 700 bucks a pop so there are 200 countries more or less 200 countries 700 dollars each hundred and forty thousand dollars would right would, would get you there Obviously, this is all subjective. Depends on how many days you visit. Depends on what you want to do. But like having a good experience in each place, seeing what you need to see, $140,000 will get you there. How long would you typically stay in a place? I imagine you know it, it varies a lot, but typically. Yeah, this, this is the, also a very common question. Uh, obviously, you, you, you can calculate an average. If I take, I have Excels or everything, and, and I know perfectly the data, but... Sometimes, like, for example, Liechtenstein or Monaco or Va the Vatican are really, really small countries. Uh, you can actually do them in a day trip or in a morning trip. Uh, there are no hotels in the Vatican, for example. So it, I would always recommend, and I have a lot of people I do consulting with, a lot of people that want to visit every country or want to do, like, expert trips, consult with me and have the same little concerns. I always tend to say, hey – don't apply a fixed rule. Every country is different. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't want to say like seven days per country, and then what? What do you see in the, in the U.S. in seven days? Literally nothing. Uh, so I've lived in the U.S. for a year, but I also visited like really small micro nations in a day, and I haven't slept there because I just couldn't. There are no hotels in the Vatican, for example. Yeah. So yeah, always try to see. It depends on your interests. Some people like seeing museums, and then you would need to spend more time in each country. Some other people give more importance to wildlife. So then if you're going to Tanzania, then you need to account for those days of going on safaris and stuff like that. So right. based on your, on your, on your interests, obviously the days will vary from one country to another. Uh, in average, if you're asking for an average, I've spent like a week in average in each country. Okay. Yeah. That's actually what I figured. I, you know, I plan on a more like, I mean, I don't, I don't have the great ambition that you had to, you know, visit every country. You know, that's, that's not really my, my goal. Um, it's just, I just been in America forever and it's, uh, you know, I just want to live in, you know, different places for like a month or two at a time. 
uh, for like an indefinite period of time. Nothing that I, you know, would see extended into my thirties by any means, but, um, I, th- I think that's going to be more of my style. I'm curious what, cause I saw that you had a, uh, you had a nine to five, you traveled to 105 countries while working a nine to five job. Yeah. That was my thing. What was the job? You did, it obviously didn't, wasn't tied to a location. Yeah. It kind of was. I was a CFO for an oil and gas company. So I managed the financials of the branches we had in Angola and Gabon for the last later part of my term with them. And, um, and yeah, so it involved a lot of traveling between Madrid and uh, Central Africa. But also, yeah, it was literally I had two bases. I had the Madrid base and I had the Angolan Angolan base. And I lived like half the year in one place and half the year in the other place. And that's why and how I also got a lot of miles and points uh, and extra days because I don't know if you know, but if you if you work in financial closings, then there's a peak of, of the month where you're really, really working hard. And then there's the half of the month where you're a little bit more relaxed. So I could always plan my months and, and know for sure that the last week of the month, I'll be much more relaxed. And since I worked overtime and I worked on weekends and some national holidays, I got those days and used them up in trips trips in the last uh, weeks of the month. So uh, it was pretty good. It was a quite a good uh, balanced way to get to almost everywhere. But I always say that if you want to get to every country, you actually need to make it a full-time gig. Otherwise, it's impossible to get to the remote islands, to the war-torn countries. You see, sometimes the war-torn country opens, there's a little window. And I talk about this in the, some chapters in the book. There's a window of opportunity. And, and they're really tricky. Some conflicts to slow down. There's little truce. And that is the key moment to apply for a visa and get in the country. Otherwise, mm. the country might... Uh, the conflict might turn bad and and the country might close up for years, which is the case, for example, now in North Korea for Americans. Uh, imagine someone decided to wait instead of taking that little leap and chance of visiting North Korea before. Now there's a lot of cases of people that, well, some of my friends, that cannot visit North Korea. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, navigating all these things are quite hard if you have a nine to five job. You can't go to your boss and say, hey, uh, Libya just opened up, so I need to take a, a week holiday next week. Okay, that, that's fine. No, I mean, it's really, really hard. And also visas. Visas, and we're talking to logistics. Visas are like the biggest pain in traveling. Uh, and, and so if getting a few of these visas sometimes entail going to other countries. Uh, I had to go to Morocco to pick up some African visas. And and they and you sometimes need to deal with a lot of stress, a lot of uh, negotiation, sometimes with the consuls and a little money under the table and <laughs> express fee, as, as I like to call it. And um, yeah, and uh, so all these problems are really incompatible with having a nine to five job. What did you do for money after the job or did you just you saved a lot and to be able to do this so yeah that's a great question uh for me i was lucky enough i paid so i've spent forty thousand dollars visiting every country and you were saying before how much might it cost for someone but i i spend much less because i had my instagram account and i worked with a lot of travel brands uh so when the, the moment i saw my instagram was taking off and also, I saw that in my career, I wanted to change. I, I wanted to move out from finance. Uh, it was something that I no longer wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to pursue new avenues of entrepreneurship or uh, business development, whatever you want to call it. And I saw this opportunity of, of doing my dream, my goal now that I'm still young. Uh, so I just took took the opportunity and, and went with my Instagram and decided to pitch to a lot of brands. And yeah, through that, I got to finance uh, the rest of the 90-something countries I visited. Yeah. Man, this has been so much fun. I implore people. I mean, I am, for one, like cannot wait to get my copy of Stories. Oh, 100%. Drop, drop I'll my t- notes here. Stories. I'll send you one. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. From From my travels to every country in the world. Get it on Amazon, and yeah, uh, thank you for being willing to send that to me. I mean, I'm um, I, like that's gonna be uh, 
that's going to be exciting, man. Like, like it's I, a nice, it's as, a nice as, piece of novelty. I think. Yeah, it has like a, one personal story about each country. Exactly, and it has the pictures for every country. Is a nice, beautiful. Probably like, your your pictures too. Right? It's my pictures. Yeah. Unbelievable. So yeah, it's a nice little personal way, and also they're uh, ordered chronologically, so you can see the evolution we've discussed before and why you decide to go to every country and how you do it and what the stepping stones are to get to every country. It's a nice yeah. way. Yeah. Couple of couple of wrap up questions before I ask my final. Sure. I I, do, I, I know I got so many questions today, but we we really did go, get yeah. Keep going for ten hours. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so what um what what was like the worst part of or maybe the biggest mistake of your of your journey? I think it's probably two different things. My the worst part was probably being part for my wife. Because yeah. whilst all this was happening, I met my wife on country 34. Where so, was that? Uh, no, so I, she's from Madrid, but I, I was visiting country 34 when we started dating. So it was Sri Lanka and it was 2012 and we started dating and we traveled to many places together. But in the end, obviously, I wanted to do this. And then we decided, hey, she should, she should supported me to go to every country. But I had to take a lot of time off to visit a lot of places without her. And that was a that was probably the biggest hardship for me. Um, and the biggest mistake sometimes is uh, not spending enough money when you're visiting a country. And this is something I would really encourage anyone that's starting on traveling, even if you're like a budget traveler, spend your money on some experiences that are worth the money. For everyone, it might be a different thing. You can, you can go to the cheapest hostel, but if you're, for example, if you're going into Kenya, you need to go on safari. Like, don't miss on those things because you're broke. If you're broke, then pick a different destination. You don't need to go to Kenya when you're very young. Uh, I really recommend people to do countries right, not just uh, step their foot on one and move on. Cliche question, but... It's like I hate questions like this, and I hate getting such broad questions like this myself when I'm on the other side. But like, what, what would you say is? Did you learn from all these collective experiences? And like, I mean, can you can you tell? Do you view the world differently? Do you, I mean, it's just so cliche. I'm like cringing. hundred percent. No, but it's not cringing. <laughs> it's not cringing. I think it's the the most legitimate question someone can ask uh, to, to a person like me, like, why have you done this? Like, why has this been your goal? Mm -hmm. And what, if it's something so different, like how, what did you get from it, right? So I think it's a perfectly leg legitimate question. I also uh, answer it in the book, I don't wanna plug it, uh, but, but every single story has a little lesson learned. And that's how it started, the idea of the book started. Uh, but it, like in short, the biggest lesson I took from visiting every country was, that I started traveling for history, for getting to know different cultures, and I fell in love with the people. And you realize that people are all ultimately, in essence, the same. We have the same desires, we have the same fears, the same dreams, same goals. And you see this everywhere you go, man. Like, and I got hooked to this feeling of meeting new people and thinking, now this guy's gonna be different to me. And, and he wasn't, we're still the same, we can connect on the same level, same interest, and we can relate on everything. You'd be surprised. Uh, family man is a family man, uh, entrepreneur is an entrepreneur, wherever you're in Iraq, or you're in Somalia, or you're in the US. And, and then you realize that sometimes the media wants to separate us and make the differences broader, but actually, this shouldn't be the case. We should all come together because we all, in essence, the same. Beautiful. At Wander Reds on Instagram, just must follow. And stories from my travels to every country in the world on Amazon in the show notes as well. Alvaro Rojas, man, this has been a lot of fun. I, I you, you've answered. I, you know, I have my final question that I ask every guest, but. Thank you for doing this long, long form interview. Like this was, this was really one of the. As a curious guy, curious Jordan, I call myself like because Curious George is my spirit animal, one of my favorite movies for for the for, since the beginning of time. Uh, as as Curious Jordan, this has been just a, a, a so much fun. Like I've I've pictured myself in in these places as you describe them, and uh, I feel like I really like traveled throughout the past hour. 
it was pretty cool. Thank you so much, Jordan. It was a pleasure. An hour went by and I told you, like we could we could discuss travel and just it flies by. Travel is life on steroids, my friend. Yeah. Well, Alvaro, my final question is if you could teach a course at a university, a course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? That's a great question. Uh, it'd probably be, and it's something I actually want to do. Like I want to get into teaching, even if it's just one little like course, uh, like you said, in, in, in school. Uh, but it would be something like daring to take on your goals and, and how, how to achieve that. Like not just like the typical cliche, cringy, just go and just do it. But actually like, like going the step by step of how I did it. And sometimes it entails... Uh, picturing the worst case scenario and thinking, what if that happened? Can you live with that? If you can, then just go for it. And so I think I can actually, I, I, that would be one of my passions, like trying to help everyone achieve their goals and whatever, whatever they may be. Because sometimes you have a really comfortable job, well-paid job, but you're, you're not happy. And ultimately, I think your, your channel is great for this. Your podcasts are a great source of inspiration for this kind of thing. Uh, that's why I wanted to be on them because uh, you you can control your life and you can manufacture it the way you want it. So we need to start thinking more like that and think, what can I change? What can I actually act on and start doing it? You only live once and there's no, there's no point on wasting your time on, on this earth. Alvaro Rojas, you're the man. Thank you very much. Hey brother, thank you for having me. We've reached the end of this episode of Growth Mindset University. For more keys to success and methods to inspire your entrepreneurial spirit, head to jordanparis.com slash course and enroll in our free course to elevate your podcast to the next level. Be sure to pass the show along to someone you know who will benefit from the lessons learned in each episode and we'll catch you and them on the next episode of Growth Mindset University.